What the fuck is up, world? Biali, Tlaltik, Bak. We back in this bitch. Another podcast for that ass. Another grito. It's been about a month now since my last podcast. For those of you who are still listening along, just know that I always, as always, fucking appreciate the fuck out of that shit, okay? Especially after these long fucking breaks, because, uh... <laughs> You know, just, it is what it is, dog. Life is what it is currently at the moment, you know what I'm saying? So, for those of you who are still stuck around, still listening to this shit, I appreciate the fuck out of you, alright? Words can't express enough. For those of you who, by chance, might be coming along to this for the first time, what's up? My name is Ice Motherfucking Nice, OG underscore Ice Nice 13 on the gram in case you're interested and want to follow along. Um, or if you've come along from the podcast, what's good? It's good to see you. Welcome to the podcast, right? Um, I wanted to drop a little spooky season episode i i I mean there's just no way that i was gonna get through the entire month of october without dropping a podcast i just absolutely had to you know what i'm saying the spooky season that's the fucking the bread and butter of hood philosophy bro i just had to you know i had to do it to him you know what i'm saying so here we are getting ready to continue along this philosophical journey that we've been on for about the last two years now uh with a little bit of interruption but you know hopefully we can continue to uh, rock and roll without much moving further okay so with that said I guess this is going to be something of a throwback episode in the sense that I have a scripted episode written down here, you know what I mean? And by the scripted part, I mean like I have shit that specifically that it is that I want to talk about. And uh, I will, I'll get to that shortly because there is some other shit that I wanted to discuss as well that doesn't necessarily have to do with the podcast or, you know, I guess it's just it's throwback in the sense that it's it's not following any of the any of the trajectories that I had previously uh, lined up before, you know, basically my entire world collapsed. <laughs> Uh, there's none of this post-modernism, modernism shit. There's none of the fucking um, Nawa philosophy shit. There's none of the, you know, none of the Chicanx low riding through low uh, Turtle Island shit. You know what I mean? There's just a little bit of horror philosophy. Some more philosophy of horror or conversely, more appropriately, the horror of philosophy. And I guess um, I felt it more appropriate now at this point <laughs> more than ever is to talk a little bit more about some of the the driving force behind this horror of philosophy, okay? And that is going to be the dread, well, what appears to be the horror of death and the ensuing inherent associatedly tied to it, dread of living, okay? And um, I guess I want to qualify first by saying, when I, when I personally, me, this is not the author of the textbook that I'm going to be discussing, Eugene Thacker talking, right? For those of you wondering, the textbook still in the dust of this planet, right? part one of the trilogy on the series of the uh, uh, horror of philosophy, okay? Um, But me personally, when I speak about the horror of death, I don't necessarily want to give, I don't at all actually want to give the impression that I'm talking about death as a bad thing, right? In fact, um, following the death of my brother, one of the things that I've come to realize is just how beautiful of a moment, the transition from this this side of life to the next, from this dynamic to the other dynamic of life to death, it's actually a pretty beautiful experience, okay? Like, I don't want to give the impression that I'm happy my brother died, you know what I mean? But I legit, I legitimately got to hold this dude as he fucking took his last breath, you know what I mean? I was holding him as he died. And that was a very beautiful moment, you know? It's something that I will cherish as negative as and as fucking heartbreaking as it was. I will cherish it as this phenomena of life that, you know, you get to experience just by virtue of being alive up in this bitch, you know what I mean? So me personally, I'll qualify it by saying, that when I speak of the horror of death, I don't necessarily mean it as a negative connotation, which obviously will give you a little bit more of my Nawa inclinations, okay? Because I don't do this whole distinction between good and evil, just in case you happen to be listening to this podcast as a standalone episode and haven't been able to follow along the trajectory of where I talk about why it is specifically, because, you know, that's Christian shit. That's Christian European Western uh, uh, lens. 
There's not wild lands. We don't. It's not. It's not a good. It's not a. It's not seen in terms of good or evil. Those concepts didn't exist in, in the way that we understand them in this modern Christian world. You know what I mean? So that's kind of what I mean when I say the horror philosophy is not a bad thing to me. It's, it's horrific in the sense that it's just like, oh man, this is dreadful experience. Not a dreadful experience, but this the thoughts. The, the it's the thoughts in our mind. I guess is what I'm trying to say that that that, that are horrific surrounding death. Okay. But the actual process of the death and the dying of someone you love, no less, and I'm sure ours as well, it's something that should be cherished as a as a phenomenon, like I said, of life. It's one of the many experiences of life that we get to experience, and it's the ultimate experience of life that we're all going to experience at one point or another, right? So trying to just strip the negative connotation from it and be a little bit more positive and affirm- affirmative about the whole entire experience is kind of the point that I'm trying to get at through this, you know what I mean? But anyways, so I just wanted to qualify that quickly before I get into the fucking the bust and the banging of all this kind of shit. And um, I guess the most, the best place to start then is that just when we're talking about horror, like what is it that we're talking about when we're speaking about horror, okay? And I guess, uh, well, I don't guess, I know, okay, for this philosophy, this horror of philosophy rather, they're thinking of horror as this non-philosophical attempt to think of the philosophical implications of what the world without us entails. Now, just in case... Uh, you, I've already spoken about this before in previous episodes of the podcast. So again, and this is your first episode and you're like listening to it as a standalone uh, podcast, you can go back and check out the episodes like tentacles longer than night in the dust of this planet, right? I don't know exactly which number they are, but those are the names, those are the titles of them. And I give a little bit more detail about how this works, but just quick summation, that basic idea is the, the notion that we as humans, we're not necessarily, you know, privileged. We don't have, we don't occupy a privileged role in existence. We like to think that we do. Okay, because, you know, we're the ones that appear to be the only sentient beings on this earth, let alone this universe. I I personally don't believe that to be the case, but everything that modern Western science tells us to be true is that we are for the, you know, for for all intents and purposes. Well, I guess I can't even say that because the the government, (laughs) depending on how much you fucking, how much stake you put into what it is that, you know, you personally, how much stake it is that you put into what it is that they have to say, maybe you, you agree with them, but they just recently obviously disclosed the existence of UFOs and shit. So maybe that might throw a little wrench in that idea, but... As far as, you know, Western science was concerned up until last year, 2020, um, we were the only sentient beings in, in, in existence. You know what I mean? So the idea that we are unique is only because we are the only ones that are thinking about this. Okay. But in reality, just because we're the only ones thinking about this doesn't mean that the, the universe as, an, as a whole is at, at, in any way fucking beholden to our whims, let alone fucking... Uh, that, it, that it cares about our desires. You know what I mean? That's kind of where the idea of this cosmic uh, uh, pessimism comes into play that this that this trilogy of the the, the author, Dr. Speaks of uh, in detail. You know what I mean? This idea that uh, the cosmic pessimism comes into play when you realize that uh, human beings, we're, we're kind of insignificant, not in the sense of, you know, the nihilistic despair, but so much as in nihilistic despair doesn't even register in terms of the cosmic fucking pessimism because, again, nihilism is a uniquely human problem and humans are just one of the we're just one small picture of the entirety of the uh, of existence you know what i mean so to say that nihilism is the greatest threat is a uniquely human centric uh, uh, uh concern you know what i mean so that's kind of what i'm talking about here when we're speaking of horror then as a non-philosophical attempt to think of philosophical implications of what the world is without us like what does it mean philosophically for us as humans not to exist this is where we start getting into our concepts of fucking nothingness, more specifically, not even nihilism anymore. We're talking about nothingness because the basic gist here is this notion that without humans, there exists nothing because we are uniquely alone in our ability to perceive all of reality. You know what I mean? And at least certainly make sense of it, whether or not other animals, specifically orcas, whether or not they have the same understanding of reality that we do, that, that's up for debate. You know what I mean? But 
we know based off the human structures that we've created that this world that we're living in is, you know, it's, it's structured by us as human beings. So if we take humans out of the mix, what are we left with? One of the best examples that I've given before in this podcast and that I like to use in my classes all the time is the existence of the sun. The idea here being is, would the sun still exist if humans never existed? And this seems like a seemingly facetious question to ask. And that's generally the response that I get from students that scoff initially at the idea that the sun would not exist without human beings because they like to think that, of course, the sun would exist without human beings because the sun exists entirely independent of human beings, to which the simple response is, yes, this is true. But the only reason you are able to know this is because you are having a uniquely human experience, okay? And if you remove yourself from the equation, you, for one, would not know this to be true. The second, of course, of which is that the only reason we know the information that we do of human uh, of the sun, rather, is because of the previous humans that came before us. And if we remove them from the equation, along with every other human that's ever existed, well, what are you left with? Do you still have a son? And which to which the answer is, well, shit, fuck, I don't know, man. Like, maybe, but without humans, there appears to be nothingness, okay? And that's kind of the gist about this, this idea of what does it mean to talk about the world and philosophical, the philosophical implications of a world without us? You remove humans from the mix and what are we left with, right? So, um... A fundamental element, okay, uh, a fundamental element of fear is inherent with this in the sense that we recognize our seeming inconsequence, okay, uh, in the universe, in reality, in existence, period, as well as our continued struggle to somehow, in the face of this, make sense of this place that we're in. That's kind of the absurdity that it, well, that's not kind of, that is exactly the absurdity that Albert Camus is talking about when he speaks of our inherent desire for meaning and purpose in a seemingly inherently uh, universe that is inherently devoid of meaning and value. Now, again, that's a, that's a, that's a pretty uniqueer, that's a uniqueer. Nope. That's a pretty unique Western Christian way of viewing the world. Okay. Because like I've mentioned before in previous episodes of the podcast, not necessarily a problem in Nahua philosophy because they themselves as monists viewed themselves as fundamentally intertwined with the unfolding of the universe. Okay. But, uh, as far as this book is concerned, it is deeply rooted in the Western tradition of philosophy. So that's kind of where they're trying to get to when it's, when they speak about fear, this fear inherent with the idea that, not only is all of reality structured by human being experience, it appears, unless, you know, you have aliens out there who are structuring reality as well. And then you have to ask yourself, well, which one's correct? Is one more fucking, uh, is one better than the other? And if so, which one? And all those inherent problems that come with it philosophically, right? But in this particular sense, we're just going to assume, we're going to take it for granted that no, there are no aliens out there, no other existing life forms that structure reality as we as humans do. And that because of that, when you remove us from the mix, like, Fuck, not only are you left with nothing, but when you insert us into the mix, we appear to be fucking of no consequence. And we still, as you know, humans desire meaning and purpose and a universe that doesn't seem to have any, right? So that, that's very, it's very dreadful. It's a very fear-inducing idea, okay? This idea that we're kind of just thrown into this bitch with no reason or purpose at all whatsoever. And for what? Just to die, like seemingly meaninglessly? That seems kind of fucking weird, you know what I'm saying? So that's kind of the that's kind of the notion that I'm going to be fucking with at the entirety of this, of this podcast because obviously, on the heels of the passing of my brother, it's been fucking heavily on my mind. Like, is this really exactly what the deal is, or is there perhaps more to all of this than we're being led to believe? And if so, a how do we find it? And perhaps more importantly, b why the fuck is it being hidden in the first place? So I guess the basic idea then for this particular episode of the podcast is we're talking about fear, man. And for me personally. One of my biggest fears is it's not death. Okay. I'm not afraid of death. I've made peace with death a very long time ago. And in fact, after, you know, being, you know, privileged enough to hold my brother as he passed from this side to the next, 
uh, and seeing how he did so so bravely, like I'm, it's even less fear at this point. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to say I'm looking forward to it because that's not necessarily that's not true, right? It's not not true in the sense that like yeah, like one day it's gonna happen and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be fucking like oh my god no please trying to pump the brakes and try to avoid it. Like I've accepted it, so I look forward to it in the sense like yeah, let's see what this experience is. It's inevitable, so let's just let's see what it's all about, okay? But it doesn't mean that I want it to happen today. That's kind of what I mean. You know what I mean? As beautiful as it would be to re- be reunited in the Miklan with my brother, like. It, I, Time is relative, homeboy. We're already there together right now. I'm just kind of, I'm just going to finish out my process of unfolding as the universe unfolding through me at, at, for now. You know what I mean? Um, but what does trip me out about it, the fear, if you will, that I do have about it is like, why? Like, how is that even a thing? Uh, I guess, um, I guess the Queen song would be the best fucking, uh, uh, the best way to convey this idea uh, when he talks about how I wish I was never even born at all, right? Because that's kind of the gist here is this notion of like, well, why even why even be born if we're only going to die? You know what I mean? Like, what's the whole point of that? And um, this is not a unique idea. I'm sure you've had this idea before. And I know for a fact that Nawa had this idea when they're talking about that beautiful poem when they have where they speak of how beautiful, it doesn't matter how beautiful of a, of a, of a Quetzal feather it may be. It doesn't matter how fucking of a, of, of a strong jade diamond or a, a strong jade gem it may be. It's going to, they're going to, they're going to wither. They're going to collapse. They're going to die, Right. And that the same holds true for you and I. And the, and the, and the question then is in this Nahuatl poem is then, why are, why do we come here? Why do we descend to this Latik Bak knowing that nothing is permanent? You know what I mean? So uh, from there, you get all those deep existential questions that the history of philosophy uh, uh, is, you know, perhaps most famous for. Um, but that's not necessarily the case. that I, That's not the, the direction I'm going to take it today. The direction I'm going to take it. And by the way, not because that's not interesting. Obviously, that shit's fucking fascinating. Don't get me twisted. You know what I mean? But because the direction that I want to take it today specifically is more in line with the question of well, what what even is what even is death? Like why is it a fundamental part of being? You know what I'm saying? And 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 more importantly, why does this question appear to be so fucking not only hidden? I, I'm more specifically not the question, but the answer. Why is the answer to this so hidden? Um, what I mean by that is like obviously we're living in times of great technological fucking advancement. And yet, despite all the beautiful advancements that we've made, some of the most fundamental questions of life are still fucking giant mysteries and perhaps none greater than the fucking mystery of why we die. Perhaps second only to the question of why we were born in the first place. Like, what what are we even born into? Like, the actual composition, the fucking metaphysical, ontological composition of reality. You know what I mean? Shit that's driven philosophers mad for thousands of years. That kind of shit. You know what I mean? The question of death is only second to that particular question right there. Trying to figure out what the fuck is really going on here, bro. Okay, so that's that, 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 that's the shit that scares me the most. So in the spirit of fucking spooky season, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about in this particular podcast. Again, not the actual act in the process of fucking being born, living and then dying, but the why as to why all of this is the case that has yet to be fucking even sufficiently in the smallest way answered and resolved. Like that's the shit that fucking haunts me. You know what I mean? Why is it so hidden, bro? So um, I guess in an attempt to figure this out, the best place to start is with some ancient tropes, if you will, that have attempted to help us figure this question out, to answer these questions, okay? Perhaps none greater, if you will, than the occult, realistically. Um, it's funny to me personally, uh, especially with the more snooty Western academic philosophy dorks when they look down on people who, you know, like myself, who are into the occult and we're also simultaneously into philosophy because they'll think to themselves and they'll fucking arrogantly profess that the cult and philosophy they they're they have nothing in common like they're mutually incompatible which is fucking not true in fact if you ask me personally 
all of philosophy is an occultish practice in the sense that it's trying to unmask, it's trying to unveil the hidden, okay? The occult is just the hidden, bro. And the act of philosophizing is an attempt to find out the hiddenness of reality, if you will, okay? So the history of philosophy, realistically, if you ask me personally, is an occultic is an occultish practice in the sense that they're trying, philosophers, we have been trying for thousands of years to uncover, to unmask the reality of fucking existence, okay? Um, and I'm not alone in this. There's an entire field, a subfield of philosophy called, you know, occult philosophy. And it's got a long tradition that predates even modern times right now. Okay. So that's kind of what I'm going to fucking, uh, that's kind of where I'm going to start it off here with this fucking, uh, a foray into the occult philosophy, if you, if you will. And it's enduring legacy still to this day. Now, to be clear, this occult philosophy, um, like I said, this was an intellectual movement, bro. And it's one that gained prominence during the Renaissance. Okay. And um, it's an intellectual movement that mixed both Christian and non-Christian ideas alike, okay? To include shit like Egyptian ideas of magic, okay? Uh, they had ideas of the Renaissance, such as alchemy and astronomy, uh, as well as Greek natural philosophy. So it will inevitably become science, okay? As we understand in the Western world, it mixed in ideas of cosmology, Neoplatonism, fucking Hermeticism, bro, and you know, shit like mysticism as well. This is where the occult philosophy, it, it did a really good job, in my opinion, of being able to break through the, the, the veil, if you will, the veil that is imposed on us by our ideological lenses when, you know, we have these ideologies and they structure reality in such a way where they pretty much put us in a box. It confines us in a box and we're unable to think about shit outside of the box. Okay, that's why, you know, that's one of uh, Zizek's biggest fucking appeals is this idea of his insistence on ideology. We might think you're correct, motherfucker, but no, that's just your ideology speaking and that's what's holding you captive. And that's why you're unable to fucking see other people's opinions because your ideology has you trapped in a fucking box. You know what I'm saying? So in that particular respect, what I personally feel as though the occult philosophers did is that they were able to fucking move beyond that, you know, fucking very limited framework uh, and, and, and incorporate various different elements of, of just existence in general to try to further their quest for unmasking this reality that we're all fucking enmeshed in. You know what I'm saying? So... While it may appear, while it may appear as a fucking hodgepodge, if you will, of schools that are mixed together, the simple idea informing this practice was that in light of the seemingly futile attempt by the infinite beings such as you and I, okay, humans, to capture the vastness of reality, to limit oneself to one school alone of thought would be, it's going to hindrance, it's going to handicap you in the process of trying to figure out what the fuck is going on in reality, Right. That's why, that's why, that's one of the reasons why I'm not a fucking fan of this identity poly, polemic bullshit, identity politics polemic bullshit, where they say that you can't think about shit this way because you're not of that particular ethnicity. To which I say, bitch, fuck you. Like, these motherfuckers have some shit figured out. Why, and you know, why shouldn't I be able to fucking learn from the knowledge that they fucking have discovered about reality? These motherfuckers also have some shit figured out. Why shouldn't I be able to fucking learn from them as well? Why should I be limited to the fucking role that I was consigned to just by virtue of something as fucking arbitrary as who I was born to? And then only stick with what it is that they figured out about reality. Like, fuck you, dog. That's some very limiting shit. You know what I'm saying? Um... These ideas that humans come up with, irrespective of their fucking ethnicity, the color of their skin, their gender, their sexual orientation, their collective property of the uh, uh, of the human experience, bro. So to limit oneself to this kind of shit is fucking nonsensical. So it's not about, you know, it's not about fucking trying to, um, you know, uh, be a, a appropriate, if you will, other people's cultures and ideas so much as it is that it's trying to learn from 
the vast different amounts of experiences that help shape and construct, if you will, all of reality so that people like you and I can get a better understanding of what exactly it is that we're fucking enmeshed in, this reality that we're enmeshed in. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of what's happening with this occult philosophy, bro. They're telling us that reality specifically, it's divided into three separate planes, okay? We have first the elemental world, and then the celestial world, and then ultimately the intellectual world, okay? Now, by elemental, I mean like the natural world, okay? Which of course is comprised of the vast, the vast spectrum of both animate and inanimate entities, okay? Be they organic or inorganic, all right? As well as the primary elements of water, earth, fire, and air, okay? Then we have, of course, the next plane of existence, the celestial world. And that, for this occult philosophy, implies shit like the sky, the stars, the firmament, bro. For all my fucking flat earthers out there, what up? You know what I mean? I'm not a flat earther. I don't believe in the flat earth theory just to be fucking one billion percent clear. But I don't fucking hate on anybody that does. Like, it's fucking crazy ass world we're living in. You know what I mean? Um, who the fuck knows? Me personally, like I've said before, I'm more inclined towards the simulation theory, but I could be fucking wrong too. And I'd be open to the idea that we don't exist neither on a flat earth, earth or a simulation. Maybe we don't exist at all. Like, how about that? You know what I mean? This is all just an illusion. I don't know. It's the point that I'm trying to make. Um, anyways, the celestial world to finish it off is also made up of the planetary cosmos. Okay. And then lastly, we have the intellectual world, okay? And the intellectual world, it's this abstract supernatural world, if you will, of purely formal essences of all things in both the elemental and the celestial world, okay? So it's not intellectual in the modern sense that ties it with like brain function and shit, so much as the classic platonic sense of a ideal, if you will, or perfect heavenly world, right? In which all the fucking... um the purely formal essences of both the celestial and fucking abstract world that we're living in reside, okay? So the basic philosophical commitment then of all of this is that there is, in fact, a fundamental distinction um, between the world that reveals itself to us and the hidden or occulted world, okay, if you will, uh, qualities of the world which, while not, you know, apparent, are necessary and essential in gaining a deeper knowledge of the three worlds, Right? So what I mean by that is basically this. How do we make the invisible visible? Because there's obviously this fucking hidden element to the earth or to reality that, you know, that we're, that we're enmeshed in. And this fucking occultish philosophy is recognizing it as such and saying like, yo, it's fucking, we need to start first by making these fundamental distinctions as how the world reveals it to us, to us. Okay. And then from there, Try to use these distinctions to gain a deeper world or a deeper understanding of the of, of the reality that we're enmeshed in in order to try to make the invisible visible, okay? Now, while works in occult philosophy have detailed ways that this can be done, uh, they, interestingly to me, also offer ways in which the hidden world also seeks to rebuke our attempts to do so. And that's kind of the point of this particular episode of the podcast is to talk about how despite our best attempts to continue to unmask the fucking, or, you know, seemingly unmask the alleged appearance of this world to make the invisible visible, the world also seems to be operating against us in a way to try to keep that invisible invisible. One of the most obvious examples of this that I can give you is just the fundamental limited nature of our human senses. Like that seems to be, at least from a natural evolutionary perspective, a push, if you will. From the, the, the from 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 the natural world to keep us from understanding all of reality in a fucking in, in its essence, you know what I mean? And the fact that we still have yet to evolve beyond these basic senses 
is only further fucking credence to this idea because it's been how long that humans have been along have been around and you would think that you know we would be able to develop we would be able to evolve the ability to process reality to its in a more pure form as as time has gone but i guess the argument of course can be made that it's not necessarily biologically necessary okay however uh that that is an example of, of how the natural world continues to rebuke our attempts because to say that it's not biological necessary simply implies that our only purpose here is to be biological creatures to which that only furthers this fucking dread of not just death but also living the horror of death and living because there's not much life with just being a biological creature again going back to this idea that we strive for meaning and purpose as human beings okay and um if our only meaning and purpose is to exist as fucking biological creatures We've basically collapsed to everything that it is Western reductive scientific materialism reduces us to and everything that it is that existential and absurdist philosophers have been rebelling against this idea that you're nothing more than just this fucking this automaton, this fucking uh, uh, this entity that is bound to its biological uh, uh, machinations and can be nothing more than what it is that you were programmed as basically a computer. Okay, so anyways. And continuing along this idea of fucking making the invisible uh, visible, right, to uncover the occulted, if you will, the question, of course, is why do we make invisible or how, rather, do we make invisible the visible, right? Or rather, how do we make visible the invisible? Now, again, while works have been done that are going to try to fucking tell us how to do so, for me, it seems to, you know, the more interesting part is how it, 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 it is trying the natural world to rebuke our attempts, okay? So think about it in terms of also necromancy, dog, for instance, okay? The reason, you know, I I talk about necromancy because this brings up the idea of death again, right? Uh, Putting aside this whole idea of of our evolution of our senses to better understand reality, like, let's talk about, again, death, bro. Like, it's fucking spooky season. That's the fucking, one of the most horrifying things to all people. And you have yet, despite that, attempts to not only keep people alive, but more importantly, to... Bring people back from the dead, okay? This idea of keeping people alive is, is another primary example of how the natural world, con- it seems to just continuously rebuke our attempts to fucking, you know, make the invisible or uh, the invisible visible, right? We try to keep people alive with our best scientific processes. For what reason? Because obviously we don't want them to die. We want them to be around. We want them to be around for much, much longer. And as we're going to progress here shortly uh, towards the end of the broadcast, the fucking question will become, well, for how much longer, right? And why? Okay? And but. You got to crawl for we ball, baby. The basic idea here is that despite every scientific advancement, every medical advancement, people still die, bro. Okay. And because of that, you know, you obviously have people who are so distressed and so distraught by that, that there's been attempts in the past to try to bring them back because I love this motherfucker. I want my brother back selfishly, of course. You know what I mean? And if there was a way to do so to bring him back, I would do whatever it took for me to be able to do so. And I'm not alone in this idea, which is where the field of necromancy comes from, right? This idea of we as humans consistently trying to make visible the invisible. Like, why do we die? Why do we got to stay dead? Like, let's bring them back to life however way we can, okay? And yet the world seeming to rebuke our attempt to do so, right? So again, we can intellectualize shit like death from a scientific perspective, bro. But again, what I'm concerned with here through this fucking horror of philosophy is the philosophical reason, okay? The philosophical reason why we die, okay? And by proxy, why, again, we're even born in the first place. And I guess even more importantly is (laughs) why these both remain so hidden to us still to this day. Both the the fucking answers to this remain so elusive, 
which again brings us back to the term occult. Now, etymologically speaking, bro, the word occult, it just means something hidden, concealed and surrounded by the shadows, okay? Now, the reason why I mention this is because in its definition, there lies, at least to me, this interesting fucking conundrum of philosophical relevance, okay? And that is that the existence of something hidden implies that there is something to be revealed. And conversely, what is revealed uh, can in turn be concealed, okay? So that's the little philosophical conundrum that, that, that I find particularly interesting, right? So this occulting, if you will, the act of hiding some shit, all right? Um, it can happen in a number of ways, bro. For one, for instance, you have perhaps the most obvious way, which is where we as humans may hide, like actively we may try to hide information uh, that is valuable as a source of knowledge, okay, that tips the scales of power in uh, uh, in either one direction, okay, either in favor of one person or, you know, in, in against the interest of another group of people, right? Thus rendering this information that is hidden valuable, okay? That's where the source, of obviously, of much conspiracy theories come from is this knowledge. Like we know full well that there is occulted knowledge. There is hidden knowledge in the world. Why it's hidden? It could be for a variety of fucking reasons. Maybe, you know, the government man, and they know full well that if humans would have known prior to 2020 that aliens existed, they wouldn't have been able to handle it and would have fucking lost their collective noodles. You know what I mean? So the idea is that you conceal, you occult that information for the quote unquote most optimistic good of everybody, the most utilitarian reason, because you want to ensure that society continues to function without collapsing into the the, the free-for-all that we're told it would if, you know, the existence of a higher uh, uh, ordered uh, uh, intellectual beings were to make themselves revealed, okay? But it could also be fucking, you know, financial information. What's up, Nancy Pelosi, who's been fucking insider trading for the entirety of her career, makes fucking 200 and some odd thousand dollars a year, but is somehow worth over a hundred million dollars because... She has access to occulted information. What is the occulted information here? Stock tips, and or rather, more specifically, how government fucking laws are going to influence fucking stock the stock market. And you know, you fucking buy and sell stocks accordingly, and it's going to fucking tip the 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 the, the scales of power considerably in your favor because you have knowledge beforehand of the laws that will be passed and how they will affect the market. So you're able to benefit from it, right? So that's another example, obviously, of occulted knowledge. And of course, it could be something that's on an individual scale, like you personally are hiding information from you, your loved ones, etc. You know what I mean? So that's obviously the most common example of occulted knowledge, okay? Um, then there's a type of hiddenness, if you will, that we as humans, we play little or no part in, okay? One in which, you know, can be already given or conversely, one which occurs in spite of, or I guess even perhaps better stated, uh, dreadfully, more importantly, all right, more dreadfully stated, completely indifferent to us and our ensuing desire to reveal it. That's kind of the notion that I was getting at here with, earlier with the cosmic horror and all that kind of shit. You know what I mean? And it's generally this second type of hidden. I say generally because obviously I'm into this whole fucking government and political shit. Like, ooh, there's some fucking knowledge that they're hiding from us. Why? And what's the knowledge, et cetera, right? I'm obviously into that kind of shit. But the one that I'm really interested in is the hiddenness, is the one that we're, you know, uh, the hiddenness of the world that we're thrown into, bro. It doesn't matter. I, 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 okay, let me qualify this. I'm assuming, I'm assuming that, you know, the fucking politicians don't know why we're in this bitch, why, you know, why, why, why we're born, what we're even born into, like we're living in a simulation, we're living on a flat earth, etc. right? I'm assuming why we die, more importantly. I'm assuming they don't know. 
but they may actually they they might actually know and that's a little that's a little bit more scarier part that I'm going to get into here shortly okay <laughs> but for now I'm just going to assume they don't know okay they don't know anything about this world that we're thrown into and again this is the hidden world one which regardless of how much knowledge we produce about it always remains some remainder there there's no matter how much fucking knowledge we make about this world we gain about this world we construct about this world there always remains just a little bit just a little remainder of knowledge okay that lies just beyond the scope of our capacity to reveal its hiddenness, if you will, okay? So again, I'll draw your attention back to the example of death. Like, we're clearly, clearly, clearly fucking living in an age of technological and informational fucking, it's, it's a golden age, okay? There's just so much information out there and the technology to fucking help us access it is so fucking, it's just, it's a beautiful time in terms of technology to be alive, okay? And yet, despite that, we still, again, we have no clue as to why philosophically we die, okay? As opposed to, you know, scientifically, right? We have no answer as to why we can't live forever, right? Philosophically, as opposed to, again, scientifically. And by proxy, why we're even born in the first place, philosophically, not scientifically. I keep making the distinction because obviously we know why we were born, dog. There's fucking, you know, me personally, my parents were fucking teenagers. They knocked boots unprotected. Terrible fucking idea. And because of that, I was thrown into this bitch. We can explain that scientifically through the birds and the bees science. You know what I mean? We can explain why people don't live forever scientifically. They'll tell you like our genes are designed in such a way to fucking, you know, break down inevitably till at least the ultimate fucking collapse and we die. Right? Um, we can uh, talk, we can explain the science the process of dying scientifically like this is what happens, this is, you know, before, this is what happens during, and this is what happens after from a scientific perspective, okay? But we can't answer, for instance, why we were thrown into this bitch, what this bitch is that we were thrown into, like the fundamental composition of this motherfucker we call reality, okay? How, of what constitution this bitch is, right? Even the thing to be thrown into, like why is this even a thing to be thrown into? Why is there anything as opposed to nothing at all? right? This is what is referred to again as the hiddenness of the world or simply the occult world. And that it is which the fucking occult philosophers are most concerned with, okay? Now, the reason I continue to emphasize the death example is because ultimately, again, the horror of philosophy asks us to consider not whether horror has so much to do with the quote-unquote fear of death, so much as it has to do with the dread, if you will, of living, it asks us to consider, okay, specifically, that if horror is a way of thinking of the world as unthinkable and our limits of our place in this world, okay, then the true specter that haunts us is not death, but life, okay? Now, uh, there's a great quote that I think, me personally, summarized this that essentially asks us to consider the possibility that existence is banishment and nothingness is home, okay? Um, and... <laughs> one that echoes the ancient ideas of what the Nahuatl remind us about this place, right? And that is that Tlaltikpak, this earth, this is not our home, right? And that's kind of the gist of what this horror of philosophy is talking about when it speaks about the dread of living. Uh, Mr. Me, um, the, the Mr. Me Seeks from Rick and Morty, a perfect example of what it is that they're talking about. Like, like living is a fucking nightmare for the Mr. Me Seeks, okay? And while it seems counterintuitive that they would be fucking so looking forward to death, they really are because they understand the Mr. Me seeks that this, whatever the fuck this is, it's not a good place. Okay. The good place is where the fuck we came from, where the fuck ideally we're going. Okay. And that because of that, that it may very well be as it going, the quote tells us 
that existence is banishment and nothingness itself is home. Nothingness, the world without human beings, without human fucking uh, consciousness to structure the reality that we're living in and so on, okay? Um, so naturally, the question arises of what exactly is life, right? And <laughs> while I wish I could tell you the answer, it seems as though, it seems as though, dog, that after thousands of years of philosophizing, the best answer that I can give you is that we're never going to have an answer to this question at all whatsoever. You might have different people who come along with a unique insight about what life is, but the actual answer to the question of what is life, it appears as though it's going to be one of those fucking, one of those examples of the occult remaining occulted, okay? The fucking natural world pushing back against our fucking desire to unmask the meaning of fucking life. You know what I mean? It's just not going to reveal to itself no matter how fucking desperately we try, okay? Now, ideally, in response to this, people might ask, well, what the fuck is the whole point of philosophy then? Like, isn't all of philosophy, well, the most, the majority of philosophy of the very act of people trying to fucking answer this question, like, what is fucking life? To which the answer is, yeah, but not really, okay? And part of the reason why is that despite the belief, again, that philosophy is generally concerned with the question of life, whenever philosophers start talking about life, the focus, it usually turns to concepts such as being, okay, or substance or existence and the like, these highly abstract fucking philosophical terms that people use, in my opinion, purposefully to mask the fucking fact that they have no fucking idea what they're talking about when it comes to the question of what is life. They'll start talking about substances and fucking beings and monads and all this kind of shit to which you're like, you motherfucker, you're using this highly technical jargonic language in order to fucking de fucking de de deter from the fact that you have no fucking idea what it is that you're talking about when it comes to the question of what is, from a compositional level, life, okay? And because of that, the question of life itself, it always kind of just slips away to the, to the wayside, okay? So again, in this respect, most of the reflection of fucking, most of the philosophical reflections on quote-unquote life uh, they ultimately turn not to life itself, but more so to meditations on death, if you will. So what I mean by that is like, you have a vast tradition of philosophy from all over the fucking world where it says, okay, I don't know what life is. I don't know what death is, but I know I'm going to die inevitably. And because of that, let me focus my direction, my attention instead, not on trying to figure out what the fuck life is, because it seems as though despite my every attempt, the natural world continues to push back on my ability to fucking discover it, to unoccult it, if you will. And let's, instead of wasting time doing that, let's fucking turn our attention to how I can live a good life instead, right? So that's what I mean when they say they fucking turn their attention towards meditations on death instead. Like, I know this is inevitable. So now what can I do not to avoid it, not to fucking prolong it inevitably or in, uh, infinitely, but instead to just enjoy the time that I have here so that I can prepare myself uh, uh, for, for, for my ultimate passing. Or more importantly, conversely, I should say, to prepare for my ultimate passing in order that I may be able to enjoy my time here, okay? And I guess into that respect, at this point now, this episode will be no different. Like at this point, I'm telling you straight up, like I don't fucking have the question to the answer to the questions and I don't think we're ever going to. So instead of continuing to, you know, delve deeper into the fucking metaphysical composition of what reality is, what is life and all that kind of shit, I'm gonna turn my attention to something completely different, Right? Not entirely different. It's still in line with what it is that I've been talking about for this podcast. Um, and that is the horror, okay? The horror of fucking philosophy. Now, unlike our previous two definitions of horror 
as having to deal with either the horror of death or the dread of life that, uh, you know, was offered to us by way of the, the, the book that I was talking to you about, the what is it, In the Dust of This Planet. Uh, I personally, I, I want to take it in another direction, okay? And instead, all I want to do instead is consider why, despite, again, the prevalence of both sentiments, there appears to be a concerted effort to avoid the former and prolong the latter, perhaps indefinitely. Now, the reason I've been thinking about this a lot is because, well, I qualified it earlier. Now, where I said that, we're going to assume, we're going to assume that the fucking wealthy elite, for instance, don't have any idea as to the meaning why we were born, what we're in, like in terms of what reality we're in, where we go when we die, why we even die in the first place and all that kind of shit, right? I'm just going to assume, I assumed earlier that they didn't have that knowledge. But if we're being completely honest, bro, that's not what I believe. I don't believe that. In fact, I do believe that these motherfuckers, there are people on this planet that have access to occulted information and that perhaps, perhaps even more fucking importantly, that they know exactly the answers to these questions. They know exactly what the answers are to these questions and that they are purposefully keeping them to themselves for a variety of reasons. For one, chief one reason being, again, what I talked about when it comes to the aliens. The majority of people are fucking plebes, bro. And if they've really found out what it is we're fucking living on, where it is we're living, what reality truly is, why we were born into this reality, where we go after we die, that if they've truly found the real fucking reason and the answer to all those questions, they would lose their fucking noodles, bro. And they would fucking just go crazy, okay? Which wouldn't be good for, it wouldn't be good for you and I, okay, for sure. But more importantly, it wouldn't be good for the people who have access to this fucking occulted information. And I'll flesh out the reasons in further detail as to why. But the basic gist is they kind of have a fucking, they have a really good thing going on here, right? It's not, it's not good for you and I. It's fucking amazing for them, okay? And, and I'll talk about it more here shortly. But the idea, the idea is, okay, the basic gist is for the remaining portion of the podcast is this. If life is so dreadful, like we're told it is, like all this fucking Western tradition of philosophy insists on reminding us, like this Western reductive materialism insists on trying to fucking brainwash us into, uh, bludgeon us into believing, okay? If it is truly so fucking dreadful, why are motherfuckers always, dog, always trying to stave off death? Like, what's going on here, okay? Like, yes, we know we're going to die. Everybody's going to die. And yet there seems to be a very, very, very concerted effort by people, specifically the ones that have would be in positions to have access to this occulted information that they want to fucking fight that shit off to the bitter fucking end, okay? I'm thinking here specifically of Jeff Bezos, bro. Who is just the fucking face. He's just the face of a fucking corporation, okay? Um, but he recently was fucking, you know, uh, uh, discovered as engaging in one of the many projects that he's in, a life extension program where he's basically trying to live forever, okay? Now, before I get into all that, I should qualify it that this is a uniquely, Christ, uh, a uniquely Christian Western deal, okay? Because as I've mentioned before, Death ain't necessarily seen as a bad, quote-unquote, thing in Nahuatl philosophy, right? And <laughs> the reason, the best conclusion that I can come up with is that either these Western Christian folk dog, the ones in power specifically, they either know full well, they either know full well that there is nothing after this, that religion, like in the most materialist sense of the word, materialist here being like, like dialectical materialist, like there is only this fucking earth and this existence and then... Once you die, there's nothing else, right? So in the most materialist sense, like these fucking people with access to the occulted knowledge, these wealthy power elite, if you will, they know full well that there is nothing after this, okay? As far as like eternal life, okay? Or 
They do, for an absolute fact, know that there is something after this and they are trying desperately to avoid it, okay? Now, I think about this in terms of all that, you know, all the evil that's committed by corporations, the, the quote-unquote evil, right? I don't want to betray too much my not fucking inclinations, but there is no doubt that what they're doing is fucked up at the very least, okay? Um, and I always ask myself, like, this is clearly fucked up what they're doing. And why would they be so willing to fucking engage in these actions nonetheless, okay? Whether it be corporations, fucking political leaders, whatever the case might be, these wealthy power elite, okay? And ideally, at the same time, we like to believe that these motherfuckers know more about life than the average person, you and I. Because again, you and I, we don't really have access to all that kind of information. Especially now with the way they're fucking cracking down on this dead internet of ours. You know what I'm saying? But they do. They do. Fucking President Bush rubs elbows with the Pope, dog. Like, don't tell me that they don't have fucking access to information that you and I don't. Because there's entire fucking archives in the Vatican that are strictly fucking prohibited to the public. You know what I'm saying? And that's just the Vatican, bro. That's just the fucking face of the institution of the of the, of the Christian church, the Catholic faith specifically. There's hidden parts to that church, just like there's hidden parts to the fucking Bible, the Apocrypha, that we're not even fucking aware of, dog. So don't tell me that they don't have fucking access to information that we don't know. You know what I'm saying? And if you're bumping elbows with these motherfuckers, you have the ability to at least, at the very least, ask questions that people like you will never get to fucking ask. You know what I mean? Again, I'm talking about the, the fucking bushes and the chains of the world, right? And more importantly, the folk that are pulling their strings, bro. Because, again, as powerful as those people are, there's still people above them, bro, right? And now, it's one thing to think of them, again, as strict capitalists and materialists who are only here to maximize profit for the betterment of their lives here on Earth, right? I think here, back to a, a quote, a famous quote by George Bush, Jr., by the way, just so we're clear, uh, where they asked him specifically, like, aren't you concerned about the future ecological impacts of the choices that you're making in terms of, like, climate control? To which his answer was something along the lines of, what do I care? I'm not going to be here, right? And, you know, people like myself at the time, I was, like, in my early 20s, I think, like, I was actually just 20, when I read this and I think to myself, like, what a, what a fucked up thing to say because you have this person who's older and ideally will die sooner than I who is telling you straight to your face, like, I don't give a fuck what world you inherit because I won't be here when you do. You know what I mean? So I'm going to engage in whatever actions that I want to and at the direct expense of the world because what the fuck do I care? I'm not going to be around to experience the consequences, right? So um, you could think about them in terms of strict, you know, capitalist materialists in that sense, okay? Where they're only try, trying to stay, uh, uh, they're striving only to, you know, make as much money as possible so they can enjoy their time here on this earth, right? And that their Christian posturing is exactly just that because they're fully aware of the existence right? Or the lack of existence, I should state specifically, of an afterlife, for instance, because they bump elbows with the Pope and they bump knuckles and say, ha this Christian religion, it's really just a fucking uh, elaborate control mechanism to keep these fucking plebes in control. And it's just a story and there is nothing after this. You know what I mean? Uh, or, or, or conversely, conversely, and this is the absolute worst case scenario, what fucking truly haunts me, okay? It's the horror of philosophy, bro, is that... <sighs> They do know. They know full well what the fuck is on the other side of this and that they are either the quote-unquote demonic forces, if you will, who are working at, or or if they're not the demonic forces, they are working at the behest of these demonic forces. And basically, we're all stuck here in this hellscape that they are trying desperately to fucking stay in, okay? They're trying desperately to stay here in this motherfucker. Now, I know this sounds, for those of you who are like deep into the conspiratorial underground, this I know this sounds like some fucking outlandish fucking Q-type shit, right? Now, 
I'll just ask simply that you bear with me because just because there is some correlation with that doesn't necessarily imply that mm, what I'm saying is anything along the lines of A, what Q was saying. But more importantly, that doesn't necessarily mean that Q didn't have some fucking insights that we could learn from. Again, going back to the basic idea of what I talked about earlier, you just fucking, you, you, you gather as much insights from as many different sources as possible. You filter what is useful and you discard what's not and you use it to help construct your fucking understanding of reality. You know what I mean? It's the practice of occult philosophy, bro. So, you just hear me out, okay? As, as outlandish it may seem, just consider in light of everything that I've qualified about the occult, okay? The possibility of everything we've ever been told to be true about reality being completely fabricated, bro. So, what I mean by that is like, I'm not even talking about history anymore. I'm talking about maybe we're not even on earth, bro. Okay, perhaps maybe we're not on earth so much as we're on a, a level of existence, if you will, which, by the way, is completely in line with Nahuatl thought. Okay, this idea that we exist on levels is completely in line with Nahuatl thought. And just in case you're wondering, it doesn't imply a level, doesn't imply a separation, because you might ask yourself, like, I thought the Nahuatl were monists. How does a level occur in monist philosophy? And that doesn't necessarily imply dualism, to which the answer is no, because the Nahuatl say, Reality is like a, a blanket that's folded on top of each other, and those are where the layers come from, okay? It's, it's, it's three different processes, as I mentioned before, of which reality constructs itself, Malinali, Olin, and Neplanta, Nepantla, okay? And that those are, you know, within one of those, you have a weaving process, for instance, but you also have a layering process as well. So that's kind of what they mean when they say that we are existing on layers, okay? So assume then that it is true that we live on layers, okay? And that on this particular level, if you will, we aren't necessarily on the highest, but we aren't necessarily at the worst either, okay? We're kind of somewhere in the middle, if you will. And that there are gateways, right? There are wormholes to, uh, to traverse into either higher or lower levels by way of the actions that we engage in in our daily life, okay? So this is, all I said was some typical basic Ten Commandments type shit, dog, okay? All I'm saying is that, yes, you can get to a higher level of existence. All you got to do is follow these 10 rules. Conversely, you can also go down to a lower level of existence if you don't follow these 10 or 7 rules, okay? That's the basic gist of what I'm saying here, but I'm not going to commit myself to the Western Christian lens, okay? That's just a one example of many, right? Now, if this is true, if there are layers to this existence, then this particularly is what it seems as though to me what makes death so terrifying, bro. I wish like, I wish I could have taken video of the moment my brother passed. I really do. Because again, as fucking dreadful and as devastating as it was, you should, I wish I could just share with everybody the peace of which he transitioned on his face. I wish I could share with everybody the fucking, the peace with which he approached his final days in life, bro. Like this is a motherfucker, 34 years old, leaving behind a fucking wife and two kids, bro. You would think that of any person on this planet who was desperately trying to cling onto this side of life, it would be him. And that just was not the case, man. He was he was at peace with the fact that his time on this fucking, this level, this earth, this existence, this reality, whatever, has, has come to an end. He was perfectly at peace with it. So he didn't go kicking and screaming into the night, dog. He transitioned peacefully. He, he had made his peace. He said, I have, I'm okay with this, okay? And I'm ready to move on, right? And this is why, I, this is what I'm talking about. Like, it, it, it may seem that it's so terrifying, right? Because for some people... They know full well that they haven't acted in accordance to this fucking, in, in, in such a way with the ebbing and the flows of the fucking unfolding of Teot, the universe, if you will, that is going to be conducive to them fucking ascending to a higher level of being. 
And more importantly, that they may in, well, it may in fact have acted in a way that's going to relegate them to a lower level of this existence, bro. So what makes death so terrifying then is the possibility that there does exist an afterlife and it can potentially be worse depending on the actions that we engage here on this fucking layer of existence here on Tlaltic Pak. You know what I mean? This is hell for those of you who are fucking familiar who want to intellectualize it in a Christian lens. That's all I'm telling you, okay? And conversely, there is a very real fact that there may not be, that life may not be so dreadful and that it's actually quite amazing, bro. So not only is the idea here that I'm trying to cover too, fuck, I don't give a fuck what Eugene Thacker and the horror philosophy says. This is what I'm telling you. Like, maybe life isn't so dreadful after all, bro. Maybe this level of existence is so fucking beautiful that the reason why it's under constant attack is because we're being fucking bombarded by people who have who know full well just how special this shit is. And they're trying desperately to fucking cling and control it, right? They're trying desperately to cling onto it and control it, right? So both these possibilities, at least in my eye, the idea that dread, that death is not as dreadful as we're led to believe and that life is not, well, death is not potentially as dreadful as we're led to believe and that life may very well be more fucking wonderful than we're led to believe, okay? There's uh, two, there's two in my, uh, uh, from, from, from this, from this, uh, from these two uh, uh, premises, uh, possibilities that arise from this, okay? And furthermore, they ring further true when you consider it in light of those actions of those who know, which would explain, for instance, uh, 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 why, for instance, you know, people are, you know, like like the chains of the world have no problem at all whatsoever causing so much death and destruction because they know full well, like, I don't give a, it doesn't matter what I do, uh, Dick Cheney, because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not transcending anymore. Like I, I, I'm fully aware of the fact that I'm not transcending. In fact, I'm okay with not transcending for reasons that we'll see here shortly. Okay. Like, it's just to spare you the fucking, like the potential, like, uh, uh, uh what if, or what is it? I'll tell you straight up. Like it, they may very well be demonic entities dog, that are occupying in my eyes, fucking human bodies. Okay. And so they don't want to ascend because they know full well they're not going to ascend A and B because they want to be here because of how special and privileged this place is and that they've set up control institutions to ensure that they benefit completely from this fucking L layer of existence and that uh, a part of that enjoyment means stripping us peoples of our fucking joy of being here. And that's why you get this reductive Western materialism that wants to fucking help us or rather uh, 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 make us believe that this place isn't special when in reality it is the most special one of the most special places that there is in existence okay so um this would also explain for instance the push towards transhumanism right the ultimate desire to avoid death completely and in turn prolong life infinitely bro jeff bezos is not a good person dog he might be inspirational to the materialists of the world in terms of the vast amount of resources he was able to accrue but in terms of like karmic flow of energy that is a fucking pit of nihilism. That is a black hole, Jeff Bezos, as a person. You know what I mean? And Jeff Bezos is one of those super wealthy elite that I'm telling you undoubtedly has access to information that you and I will never be able to access. And maybe the reason why he's trying to live infinitely is not because it's something cool and unique and something uniquely available to him as a super wealthy individual, but because he knows full fucking well of what's coming next and he does not in any way, shape, or form want to fucking transcend to that, Okay. And that's kind of where this idea, that's where I, I qualified it by talking about the Q and all that kind of shit. That's, that's just basic, that's new conspiracies. Like I say new conspiracies because all the old ones have been proven true. Digital currency, fucking digital passports, all that one world order, all that kind of shit. That's all been proven true at this point, okay? 
So now it's fucking evolved into newer conspiracies. And one of the most newer ones is fucking this, this transhumanism is a, is, a, is a way to keep us here enmeshed in this fucking layer of existence. The quote unquote Saturnalian moon matrix, if you want to get real deep into the fucking sticks about it. You know what I mean? And the question, of course, being why, which we'll talk about here shortly. Now, the reason this is a, such a concern to me is because, again, in light of the traumatic death that just fucking rocked my family recently, dog. Again, I've just been thinking a lot about the value of life, bro. Like, what is the value of life? Not even the meaning and the purpose of life anymore. So much as the value of life, though, uh, dog. And um, in doing so, I guess one of the biggest insights that I was able to gain is just how insignificant the Western world wants to make us feel. Okay, now I've talked about this before, so I won't get too deep into it. But the basic idea is that, you know... You don't realize exactly how true this can potentially be until a life, a precious life is taken away from us so short and so suddenly, okay? And because that, obviously that happened to me just recently, uh, I've gained a new insight into just how precious life truly is, okay? And the, and the actual impact one single solitary person truly can make, which holds in complete stark contradistinction to everything we're told from this Western reductive lens that we're living in, Okay. They tell us that we are insignificant. They tell us that one individual life can affect the entirety of the universe. And I'm just telling you, dog, like that, that is just not true. Okay. And, you know, it was one thing for me to say it before in the past because uh, I, 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 I came from it more from a con- quote unquote conspiratorial more, but I guess a better way to say it is alternative fucking reading of reality. Um, this idea of like breaking through the matrix, if you will, of realizing that maybe we're being told this because that itself, nihilism, is a form of fucking control. But now, like, I understand it like, fuck, dog, on a level that I wish that, I mean, fuck, I don't, I wish I could convey to you without you having to experience what I'm trying to say like, on your own. Because the last thing I want, even though I know it's going to happen to all of us, is for you to have to go through a loved one, the loss of a loved one to know what it is, like, experientially what I'm talking about. But um, the basic gist is that, you know... <laughs> Life truly is precious, bro. It really is. And that flies in complete. Not only is it fucking precious, but just one person can truly have an impact that fucking echoes into eternity, bro. And that flies in complete face of everything that we're told about this Western reductive materialism. Okay. Now, to further reiterate, I've talked about how the occultists in control at the moment, they're trying to sway our energy by way of mass media so they themselves can use it to manifest a world that they desire, right? So if this is true, then in terms of occult philosophy and, you know, the quote, uh, the hiddenness of the world, the point is in trying to discover the knowledge necessary to help protect ourselves from this. They're trying to steal our fucking energy for their benefit, bro. And what I'm saying is like, they're going to tell us on one hand that we're seemingly fucking meaningless and have no fucking you know, power. But on the other hand, they're trying to steal our fucking, our, our energy on every fucking, at, at every opportunity they have. And the question is, well, Why? And if everything that I fucking have said thus far is true, the answer is simple. It's because this fucking life is precious, dog. And, you know, where we, where we exist, like what level of reality, what, where period we exist may very well be a special place as well. And these motherfuckers know it and they're trying to fucking use it for their benefit. Okay. Um, now how this relates to my brother is simple, dog. Like you see him, like you see him pass, you see the influence that he fucking left behind, you see the impact that his passing left on other people, not just myself. And you realize like, mm, that's just one person, bro. Uh, and if his fucking death was that fucking, if it shook us that fundamentally to the core, that must inherently imply that there was something special about his existence. 
And, you know, if it's true about his existence, I'm going to use the old philosophical trick here when they talk about consciousness. Like, I know I'm conscious, so there's at least one conscious being, so I'm going to assume that there's other conscious beings as well. I'm going to use that argument for my brother's argument against solipsism, right? I'm going to use that for my brother as well and say, well, I know that that was a very fucking important person. And if there is one important person, my brother, then there's definitely more than one and perhaps infinitely many more in terms of the entire set of human experience, okay? And for me personally, I found that to be very empowering, dog, especially in these wild times that we're living in, right? Um, specifically because, you know, we've all been down this hole. We've all been bludgeoned with this hole of our alleged meaninglessness in light of this reductive Western materialism, okay? And we might, many of us have accepted this idea that we're uh, inconsequential on an absolute scale. That's the whole fucking premise of cosmic fucking horror, of cosmic fucking uh, despair, Right? But again, I myself, dog, despite falling victim through this, have been able to come to realize, especially in the light of my brother's death, that, you know, this just may very well not be true, dog. That death is not something necessarily horrific and that life is not necessarily something dreadful, okay? And that irrespective of whether, you know, we're remembered after we pass, we can leave an absolute mark here while we are here. Not just on those around us, dog, but the world even itself, okay? On a scale of magnitude that, you know, is far greater than we can generally, what we're told is deemed successful. So what I mean by that is you don't need to have a fucking memorial, uh, a a holiday, a national holiday made after you or a fucking statue erected of you uh, uh, after your passing in order for your life to have some sort of meaning and value. Like that's not, that's just not true, dog. That's just what we're culturally fucking, you know, programmed to believe, right? And because of that, I just, I just know, okay? I don't want to say it's what I know, because I don't know anything. But I just can't fucking help but feel, dog, that these motherfuckers, they just know. It's like the greatest psyop, bro, that there is. They know exactly what the fuck the meaning of life is. They know exactly where the fuck we're at. And they know exactly what the fuck the reason why we die and where we go is. And they're trying to keep it from us, dog. This fucking occulted knowledge, right? Because they know full well that as soon as we discover this, we're going to fucking seize all of our sacred energy, Okay? And we're going to take it back from this fucking massive institutional control system that they fucking have developed for their strict benefit. And we're going to fucking use it in such a way that's going to actually potentially help humanity for the better, dog. Like, I just feel it intuitively, which from a philosophical perspective is not fucking, it means nothing, okay? But I know for a fact that I'm not alone. You see it all over the gram, people talking about great awakening and all that kind of shit. You know what I mean? Now, again... This doesn't necessarily have anything to do with death because, again, I'm not even convinced that there is a finality to this experience, bro. So what I'm saying then is that what this is more in line with is with the entities, if you will, that exist in other planes that are actively trying to gain access to this plane through us, right? Which, you know, comes through us through various methods, okay? So we have obvious methods, if you will, right? Like uh, a Ouija board, okay? You have conjurings and the like. But then there's other means that get neglected in my personal opinion because, in my personal opinion, because they're just reduced to scientific reductive, uh, a scientific reductive explanation, such as addiction and nihilism and other forms of self-destructive patterns of behavior that not only compromise our time on this plane, but potentially threaten to keep us from ascending to a higher level after we live here on this slippery earth. Or again, worse yet, serve to relegate us to a lower dimension like fucking hell or beyond. All right. And these entities, bro, they make their way into this world through all kinds of actions, all of which serve the same fundamental premise, okay? 
the same fundamental purpose. And that is that, you know, they, it is so that it can ensure their continued survival here, right? By way, you know, of the actions of a meth addict, for instance. Uh, a meth addict is a person who has been possessed by a lower level entity and that the, the, the meth itself is just the gateway in which they're brought into this, uh, into this fucking, uh, into this plane of existence. And now that they're here in this plane of existence, they engage in all the fucking evil shit that meth heads are associated with. Okay. Um, and that evil shit is what keeps them, the meth head, from fucking, you know, transcending and conversely from actually descending. And more importantly, it keeps the fucking, the, the demonic entity of addiction, if you will, like I've spoken about before, here on this plane of existence where it wants to fucking live. It wants to live here because we as humans, we're, 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 uh, we're fun, our biological composition is arranged in such a way where that demonic entity of addiction can survive and thrive. You know what I mean? So of course it doesn't want us to ascend to another level of existence because if we all ascend about this bitch, the 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 the, the demonic the 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 demon of addiction will cease to exist because there will be no humans here for it to feast upon, right? So, uh, naturally, the question then becomes: If lower levels of existence exist and entities are able to traverse between this realm and those, is the same not true for higher levels as well? To which the answer for me personally, I believe, is a categoric yes, dog. Now, I want to be careful as fuck not to imply any sort of Christian undertones again with what I just said, okay? Because this is by no stretch of the imagination what I'm talking about. Like angelic beings, like with fucking harps and Jesus loves the little children. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? However, if contextualizing it in this Christian lens helps you understand what it is that I'm saying, then by all means, dog, fucking rock with it, okay? Because as I talked about before, right, Christianity to me is nothing more than a stargate, all right? It's a wormhole from this dimension to another. And, you know, if that if that's what it is, it's going to help you traverse, then by all means, dog, okay? Because, you know what? Perhaps the Christian God does exist, and heaven itself is just another one of the levels I'm talking about. Now, again, this doesn't necessarily mean by no stretch of the imagination, that it's the only God or that it's the last layer, all it means is that it's one of many potential higher levels that exist outside of this one, right? Now, the reason why I'm convinced that this is the case about higher level beings is because, again, I, 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 you know, I'm pain of repetition, my brother, but also my homie Martin, dog, right? Simple and plain, both of them. Now, I swear to you, dog, like I can only tell you and you got to just take it out of my word for what it's worth, but... They were both such just kind people in retrospect that it's hard to think of them as anything but actual angels, bro. And I'm not just saying this. I'm not fucking waxing poetically in the absence of my brother's loss, but I'm telling you straight up, bro. In fact, like just to give you a little bit of insight into my brother, he was a, he, he worked at the jails in the prisons. Okay. He was a, he was a, uh, uh, his last job after he left the Marine Corps, he worked in the federal prisons. Okay. And, um, he, he had a, he had a lot of stories, dog, about the inmates that he worked with, but there was one particular and um, it was about this one inmate who pulled him aside one time and he said something like, hey, CO, you're an angel, aren't you? To which my brother just kind of like laughed him off. Like, what are you talking about, dog? Because this particular inmate was in prison for murder that he committed while he was insane. Like, this was an insane inmate. Um, but they did sentence him to fucking prison, right? Federal uh, maximum security prison because he did murder, right? And uh, my brother initially kind of just like laughed him off. And then uh, the dude insisted and he told him, he's like, no, nah, no, nah, I know you're an angel. I can see that you're an angel. And then my brother was like, just trying to get him to shut the fuck up. He was like, okay, yeah, dog, I'm an angel. Just shut the fuck up, right? To which the dude said, okay, you're an angel? Cool. I kill angels. I just want you to know that. To which my brother, again, that's how my brother was. He just laughed. He just like he had his big boisterous laugh and he laughed him off like, shut the fuck up, guy. And he went along his merry way. Now, when my brother told me this, I said, man, mother, 
fucked that dude. If I was you, I would have fucked him up. And, you know, I would have done, I would have just fucked this motherfucker up. Like, oh yeah, bitch, that's a direct threat to me and my existence. I'm going to fuck you up and we'll see who gets to, we'll, we'll see who gets, who gets what, where, right? When, more specifically. And my brother just turned and looked at me and he said, nah, doc, that's not how you respond to those kind of people. That dude's insane. He doesn't need to be beat down and fucking made to feel worse than he already is. He needs to be shown love and understanding. It's not his fault, if you will, that he's here in this prison. I don't want to say that he's dismissing the murder that he engaged in. All he was saying is that he's not hes not completely there, dog. You have to be able to understand his situation and show him compassion and not respond with fucking... You can't respond with fire with fire. It was basically what my brother was saying. And that shit completely blew me away, dog. And this is before I found out that he had cancer and everything because... Me, I'm the complete opposite. I'm just, I'm like, man, fucking hellfire and fury, if you will. You know what I mean? My brother, he wasn't like that, dog. And, you know, leaving that example behind, I think to myself, like, well, that's clearly a very fucking highly advanced way to respond to shit. And if you want to get really poetic about it, it's really a very angelic way to respond to shit, dog. Because, again, how many of us could have that same level of compassion? And, you know, because of that, and not just him, I'm sure you know people too. Uh, again, my, my, my homie Martin being another one, the same kind of like my brother, right? Uh, and, 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 and plenty of other people that exist, both popular culture and more just those of us who remain unknown in the annals of history. You know what I mean? And because of that, I'm led to believe like, yeah, dog, people come into our lives and they show you what is possible if you just simply strive to be a better person. If you simply, if you simply strive to take back your energy and direct it in a more fucking productive way, if you will, Okay. Anyways, they were here, okay, basically is what the point I'm trying to say, to set the example of what we can achieve if we just live right, bro. And furthermore, it's this idea that has really helped me cope with the difficulty of his loss, right? And the idea here is that, like, maybe the reason I'm still here in this bitch and the rest of us are is because we're not quite there yet, dog, okay? We're not quite there yet, and we won't fucking ascend until our time has come. And conversely, we won't descend until we're beyond fucking we're, we're beyond any reproach at all whatsoever which really did leave me a lot of hope because it made me realize like you know i have a lot of work to do dog and it, i only have time at this point to try to become a better person and conversely i have you know the, the the constant imminent threat of allowing myself to be fucking possessed by one of these demons if you will that is seeking to strip my energy here on this fucking plane of existence and potentially threaten to relegate me to a lower level of existence if i don't fucking if I don't, if, if I don't act right, you know what I mean? I call them the evils, if you will, to quote the, the, the Jay-Z song, right? The evils, <laughs> right? The dear God, I wonder, can you save me? Illuminati want control of my mind, soul, and my body. That's what I'm talking about here, dog. That's exactly what I'm talking about. These demonic forces that have been, we've been talking about, okay? That are trying to transcend without having to do the work necessary to do so. They know full well of what lies beyond and rather than letting us go about our merry way they've set up this fucking prison planet bro to ensure that we are here to stay suffering not just with them but for their benefit because they cannot survive without us they are fucking leeches bro and they need us and our fucking energy to continue to survive right typical crabs in a bucket type shit where if they can't escape then no one can with the added quote-unquote benefit of them being that unlike in the lower dimensions where they came from or the higher dimensions from which they can never fucking transcend to, at least here in this dimension, they get to be quote unquote gods on this plane. You know what I mean? They get to be the masters by way of all the draconian soul sucking institutions that they've created on this plane, bro. Institutions, again, that are designed to feed off the pitfalls of human nature to ensure their continued survival. They're fucking leeches, bro, right? They're fucking demonic leeches. 
They're psychic vampires, right? Um, and we, in turn, have the ability to either fall for them or to rise above them, dog. With the key feature here being the knowledge of this fact to begin with, followed by the knowledge of how it can be done, right? So this goes back to the fucking whole importance of the uh, of the occulted shit, right? There's knowledge of how we can transcend this, dog, and knowledge of what we can potentially gain, and they fucking know it, and they keep it from us, bro. They keep us dumb and they keep us fucking complacent and they keep us fucking satiated with this bullshit mass media that we're living in because what they don't want is for us to be fucking concerned with the reality of the of what it is that we're fucking uh, living through you know what i mean and yeah i guess now we're, i'm well over the fucking hour long mark so if you've listened this long i appreciate the fuck out of it um but it seems as though it's a good point as any to go ahead and end this bitch so I hope you enjoyed the first fucking podcast of the spooky season. If not, I'll try to do better with the next one. I want to do at least two more before October ends because October and hood philosophy, they're fucking peanut butter and jelly, baby. They just go hand in hand. Okay. So yeah, until next time, I hope you have a great rest of your day and I'll see you then. Peace.